myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Here comes the maestro, here comes the maestro, it's Danny McClain. He's the last 30-game win pitcher, it happened in 1968. He dominated the league for a short time, then he dropped like a stone. His stories are the stuff of legends, it's the maestro Danny McClain. Welcome to the Long Gone Podcast, it's me, Michael, and with me as always, What up? Steve Ford. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Well, Christmas in July here as we are getting close to the end of the month. Uh, this will be the last Christmas in July. I'm sorry to tell everybody that. Uh, as uh, yeah. you know, when we do our next show, it'll be uh, hitting close to August right there. I think it'll be the uh, first first part of August. So the yeah. Christmas carols will go away. I'll tuck them away until December. Tuck them away until put, December. put them to bed and then I'll take them out in December again. <laughs> Yep, hope you guys all enjoyed Christmas in July. With, yes, exactly. With, with the Long Gone Podcast. Exactly. It'll have to tidy over for a few more months. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, today, uh, eventually, we're going to be doing our Forgotten Series. Yeah. And number two like for the year. Number two, and like Steve revealed, yeah, we will be doing Denny McLean today. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this. So. I mean, he is the definition of <laughs> Forgotten a fallen yeah. star. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. So it's gonna be the fun to get into that crazy story. Just the uh, the up and down and the complete fall from grace. Yeah, just and it happened so quickly. Happened so. very quickly, and yeah, and I found out some nice little tidbits, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you did as well. And yeah, yeah it'll be it'll be pretty good. But yeah. to start off in our headlines right now, we yeah. have which. It finally happened. I mean, the Orioles have caught up to the Rays. They have. They have the Rays. They had that hot start, you know, built up a nice, comfortable eight, nine game lead or whatever when they were in May. And yeah. the Orioles have just kept chipping away and chipping away. And now we're into a, a dead heat. I think, uh, you know, the uh, Orioles have now caught up. And it's really a, a cool story here because, you know, not too long ago, the Orioles were losing 90, 100 games. And now they're sniffing out and potentially overtaking the Rays in the AL East, arguably the hardest division in uh, in all of baseball. And mm-hmm. uh, just what a what a story here for Baltimore. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> from when they got rid of Manny Machado, it yep. seemed it inevitable that not only would they be in a rebuild, but they would be in a rebuild for quite some time. But Nope. <laughs> but it's been exciting watching them rebuild yes. that franchise. I mean, just just over the years, your Adley Rushman's, your Gunnar Henderson's, yep. your Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, yep. and then some drafting. great, great drafting, great development. Cedric Mullins comes out of nowhere. Austin yep. Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle. It goes on and mm-hmm. on and on. And now it's weird. It's it's always weird seeing a team ahead of another team in in a division where they're not leading the division and wins. Mm-hmm. Right, because right yeah. now they're fifty nine and thirty eight, but the, mm-hmm. but the Tampa Bay Devil Rays actually have, or the Rays have two games. Well, they've won two more games than they have, but right. they have more losses. So right, it's those percentage points right there, man. You know, yeah, uh, it's a, it's yeah, it's a, it is odd seeing that because I always look at wins when I think about. It. I never really I do too. look at the losses, but yeah, two, you know, 
Rays have two more wins, but the uh, Orioles have two less losses. So, boom, tied. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it, one thing I like about the teams, they're they're a little bit – they're good at everything, right? Mm-hmm. But they're one has a, a more dominant, like, strength than the other one. And, yep. for instance, the Tampa Bay Rays, their strength is their pitching. I mean, they yep. have probably the best pitching in all of baseball, in my opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I think even their relievers, their bullpen is one of the best in baseball. And while the Orioles have a good rotation and and bullpen, I think it's their hitting which makes mm-hmm. them stand out, and yeah. and just the young stars. So it's it's really cool. It's just a really cool mix of the AL East, and not to put anybody else down. I mean, that's a strong division. I mean, that's really a very is. strong Every, division. Everyone's over five hundred. Yeah, close to the AL Comedy Central, where one team is over five hundred uh, right now, and all the last rest are under five hundred. So. Yeah, it's, it's and it's cool. You know, I look uh, look at run differential. You know, it, it's it, it's an OK stat. But you look at well, right now, Baltimore is plus 45 and mm-hmm. Tampa Bay is plus 147. So, you know, you can look at run differential as, oh, you know, if you got a high run differential, you're doing well. But, you know, you could blow out a team 13 to nothing, do that a few times. That's how you can get a higher run differential. So, yeah, you know, it's an interesting stat. But I, you know, it's not everything I base you know, everything on of how good a team is based on that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I totally, I totally get it. And Tampa Bay can score. I mean, they've always had score. I mean, they, I mean, I, like I said, I do think that they're stronger in their pitching, but mm-hmm. I mean, no they doubt, score in that bunches. They're, but their, their hitting is very well. I mean, especially with, I mean, Wander Franco, Randy mm-hmm. Rosarena, and then you got Isak Paredes who basically, mm-hmm has just t- torn it up and the end Diaz is having a good year, Brandon Lau. So, I mean, this team is really good. I think in the long run, if I could say a weakness of both teams, I think the depth, I think might mm-hmm. kill Tampa Bay in the long run, just because yeah, I don't think, think they're one injury could, uh, could screw this up. of their starters could really yep. screw them where I think Baltimore's would probably be, I would say while their pitching is very good, I, I think it, I don't know if it's good enough to keep going in the postseason. I agree. Just just because they're unproven, a lot of these guys. Yeah, they're unproven. There's not like a, a uh, an ace ace. So like if you if you said to me, Steve, can you name a starting pitcher off of uh, the Baltimore Orioles? I'll be honest with you, Mike, I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I mean, most of these guys, in, a, in a, speaking in a fantasy perspective, are just mm-hmm. scrap heap guys. Tyler mm-hmm. Wells, Kyle Bradish, and and Dean Kramer, and Kyle Gibson. Those are the guys we've been scrap heaping in the fantasy mm-hmm. in our fantasy league all season nobody has stayed on a team longer than like a week or two yeah exactly Suppose where like tampa, tampa bay you know shane mcclanahan all these you know great starting pitchers that they have on this team yeah yeah especially at the top i mean when you got mcclanahan and tyler glass now now yep. tyler glass now is not having this like amazing fucking season but right. he's trying he's kind of like jack flaherty he's trying to return to form mm-hmm. um but zach eflin I mean, yeah. holy shit, 11 and 5, 336 ERA. I mean, good for that guy. Yep. I mean, yep. and they're finding that Taj Bradley is becoming a very good back end guy. I mean, right. you know, I mean, he still battles, and I, but the guy's only 22 years old, and I've seen him go against stud fucking hitters. I've yep. seen what he does against Yankees hitters. I've seen what he does against Orioles hitters and Toronto hitters. And um, there's some guys that have his number, but this guy still holds his own. And what I love about this guy, he's just like a tough nosed guy. He just battles and he's continuing to battle. And I'm pretty sure he's going to have by next year, he's going to be one of their main mid mid guys. So, I agree. Um, I agree. 
yeah, I'm just really impressed with these two teams, man. And, um, and obviously everybody has their, their weaknesses, but AL East is one of the more exciting ones in baseball right now. I remember last year we were talking about the NL West being yeah. one of the best, but uh, good on the Rays in, in the Orioles, man. It's going to be really exciting, especially who gets the division in the end and yep. what the postseason picture is going to look like with them in. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm excited to see how this last uh, two-ish months, a little over two months to go in the season, just to see uh, see what happens here as we get down the stretch here we are getting close to going down the stretch so it's, it's yeah gonna, it's gonna be fun yeah and right now there's not a ton of news because we're just kind of in this wait right we with the trade that. deadline yeah. what's gonna happen so when you guys right now we're recording this at the end of, we're like on a saturday recording this and by the time this episode's released it will be what wednesday of next week wednesday yep. so yep. we're kind of looking at it you know at this time i doubt any trades will happen before then but You're right we could share a shit our next show episode what yeah, 222 we'll, we'll, 122 we'll, we'll, we'll recap the uh the trade deadline all the big moves and stuff if there are any and, uh, yeah and we'll get all that up on our next one absolutely and there's going to be tons of rumors and one rumor that came down the pipe yeah. you just found out and put in yeah it's uh the giants are uh, have their eye on Justin Verlander that's um, Justin Verlander's been pitching well as a late the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he came back from injury, he had about a 4.5 ERA, was kind of scuffling, but has really, you know, turned it around ERA under two here the last uh, 30 innings or so. Um, so his last, you know, four, you know, four, five, six starts, he's been pitching well. And and the Giants have taken uh taken notice. Uh they're still they're still hanging around there in the NL West, only three games out from the Dodgers. And yeah. Um, you're holding on to one of the wild card spots. So, uh, uh, you know, any, anything's possible. So maybe, yeah, getting an ace, but the Mets haven't quite said if they're ready to pull the trigger on uh, selling off assets. They're right now six and a half out of the wild card as mm-hmm. we speak here as we're recording. So they're not quite sure what they're going to do. They're playing 500 ball in their last 10, five and five. So they're not quite yeah. sure, but, but Justin Verlander, like we talked about in our, scenarios could be one of those guys that could go here at the deadline so uh we'll see what happens but yeah right now the giants are listed as one of the teams that are are sniffing them out pulling out putting out uh feelers on them so uh, we'll we'll see yeah and they're kind of picking a good time to do it because arizona's not having a good go mm-hmm. at it the second half so far yeah, so the, Ar- the arizona scuffling giants got hot and arizona's uh showing their uh their their youth right now we'll see say that so. and the dodgers were kind of started to get hot at the right before the all-star break and yep, they kind of just haven't quit you know? yeah they haven't they've won they're eight and two in their last 10 and but but the thing is the like you said the giants are keeping pace too so the dodgers aren't getting that insurmountable uh division lead yet so yeah giants gabe, could be looking to make a move here gabe kapler gabe kapler quit posting uh stuff on his <laughs> pictures yeah so you know <laughs> He, he smells he's in it. Yeah, he, smells, exactly. he smells contention. <laughs> <laughs> Once those Instagram pictures stopped, huh? Yeah, he's back. He's back in it. His mind's back in the game, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once uh if he starts posting stuff, Giants. He's fans, out of it. Yeah. Be worried. Be very yeah, exactly. worried. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, bu- buckle up. So yeah. The, cool. the JV to the to the Giants would be intriguing. I yep. it would be an intriguing. Um, but you have aspect. to remember, Verlander does have a full no trade clause, so he can veto any deal. You know, and that's one thing we never brought up, or I know I didn't bring up in last week, and I think it was last week's show, where, mm-hmm. or the week before, where we were talking possible trade scenarios, mm-hmm. and we were kind of throwing JV around, 
JV yep. around like the village bicycle. Yeah. He's getting a ride with JV, but at the but who knows if he wants to go to some of these yep. teams, right? Yep, I exactly. mean, um, and I'm always wondered to see is this his last year? I doubt it, but because he he's, but he's really he's been boring. quiet. Yeah, yeah, and you just it makes you wonder what's going to happen. But one thing I'll say about the San Francisco Giants, they're a lot like the New York Knicks. There's always tons of rumors. Yep. yep. I mean, remember they were going to be the favorites to land. They were going to be the favorites to land Aaron Judge in the offseason. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they made it. They made a hard, hard push for it supposedly, and uh, just fell short. Should have yeah. heard the rumors, right? <laughs> Should have heard the rumors. <laughs> so it's it's from JV going East Coast to West Coast. I mean, who mm. knows if he'll even do it? Going all the way to San Francisco, I have no idea. I mean, well, he would fit. close to Cal- California. He'd fit in well there. Kate Upton likes it out there, right? Yeah, Kate Upton likes it out there, and. But that's not home to them. I know, like no. home to them is Florida and Virginia. and I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, so his family there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But it's just uh, well, I know they have places in California mm-hmm. too. So, mm-hmm. anyways, uh, he would fit well in this rotation with Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, Anthony. Uh, what's his Descalfini? Descalfini or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and Ross yeah. Stripling and Alex Wo- Alex Wood. So mm-hmm. I can see him fitting there. Probably won't be a front guy. Probably a mid a mid rotation right. guy. He'd fit really well, but. You know, the Giants are making a push, and I like it, but I just I don't see it lasting long, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. So Yeah, well, like you said, Gabe Kapler, he stops posting Instagram. He'll uh you know, that means the team's definitely going in the right direction. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't think this is one of their stronger teams, but it's not no. one of the worst either. Right. You right. know, I, was, I know you don't listen to the show. I always listen to it just to kind of kind of like a it's like a game tape for me, you know. Oh, what should, should okay. I do better on? Things like that. And and one of the things I always pick out is me saying and a lot. I'm always like, and uh, what's bothers me now? I'm going to think about the whole show. But one of the things I <laughs> saw when we were doing our our trade, you know, the buyers and sellers, mm-hmm. one trade that you actually brought across out of everything made the most sense. And I at first it was kind of one of those I thought about it, I'm like, oh, that could happen, but probably not. But I really liked the more I think about it, the more it just works for this team. And I think the team needs to do it. Is uh, Paul Goldschmidt going to the Twins? Right. You know, it's just it just makes so much sense. Just it does. because they need more of a veteran bat in that lineup, they need a consistent bat. The uh, the Cardinals, while they're kind of steadily moving up, if they fully do just sell the farm, I mean Goldschmidt would be a guy that they can bring in a Hall of Prospects for. Mm-hmm. And the Twins are just makes so much sense for Paul Goldschmidt now. It was like, I mean, oh, that makes sense. I mean, I'm looking at. You know, the guy who's played the most first base, who would you rather have, Donovan Solano or Paul Goldschmidt? Yeah. <laughs> you and know? They, yeah, and they've had a hard time. They've had Jose, what's it, Jose Miranda. They've had They've Solano. tried. They just keep plugging them, and, and no, no one's been working there. I mean, I'm looking at yeah. the production. Solano has four home runs, 22 RBIs. You know, yeah. A first base, when you think Vlad, you think guys that have a pop in their back and uh hit for a pretty good average, can get you home runs and RBIs. They don't have that at first base. But you put in someone like a Paul Goldschmidt, I think that, you know, it gets that that offensive production into their lineup. And they're playing better as a late. Like I said, they're the only team over 500 in the uh, AL Central right now. So if they make a move like that, that could really propel them to run away with this division, I think. Right. No, I I totally agree with you. I I think this is something that they kind of need to do at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But will they do it? Yeah, jury's still out on it. Yeah, jury's still out on it. Probably not. You know, <laughs> I'm going but... with I'm going with probably not. But eh, stranger things have happened, right? They, yeah, uh, stranger things have happened yeah. here. It's gonna be an interesting trade deadline for sure coming up. So, which we yeah, we'll recap on our next show, and we uh, it's hard to believe when when we talk again, it's gonna be August. <laughs> Can you believe it's, that? It's uns- insane, dude. This this yeah. year's gone by so fast, uh, just like the MLB season and. It's just been a busy year, busy yeah, year all the way around. So, but with that being said, Steve, let's, uh, we can't wait anymore on this interesting forgotten series. Moving on with our number two guy of yeah. this season. And we usually do about three a season. And we are talking about a forgotten star, Mr. Denny McLean. Denny McLean, the last third, like I said in the intro with our song, the last 30 game winner, and probably will arguably be the last 30 game winner in Major League history. Yeah. Um, a feat only accomplished by 11 players in the 20th century, and he's the last one uh, to do it with that fantastic 31 and six season in uh, you know, 1968. But he was a guy who, who burst on the scene, had a fantastic chunk of time there in the, uh, the mid 60s, mm. and then was gone by the age of 28. Yeah, gone by the <laughs> age of 28. And he, one thing, I, before we get into his beginnings a little bit, he said mm-hmm. he truly lost his fastball in 1970. Yeah, he's just, he, he stopped, you know, and I think it was uh, 70 or 71, they just stopped throwing it. Yeah. He realized he didn't have it anymore and just yeah. stopped. Yeah, he couldn't hit 90. Just, he, uh, just from all the innings, I mean, you look at that 68, 69 yeah. season, 336 and 325 respectively for innings. It just took a toll on his arm. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, we'll talk about it in his later career that unbeknownst to him, he kept giving his arm cortisone shots and the cortisone, you know, all those cortisone shots took a toll on, 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 on the arm there and it just got tired. Yeah. And worn out. Yeah. Which... So. You know, for the longest time, I always thought Denny McLean won the most in a single season, but that wasn't for a long time. I thought that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he has because when you assume when you hear Denny McLean, you're thinking, oh, most wins in a season. Yeah. And but that's not it. I, actually, the most wins by a pitcher in a single season was Charles Radborn, which yeah. I've never, never he wasn't a Hall yeah. of Famer, nothing like that. I mean, not a guy that you would. I mean, he is a Hall of Famer. He went in in 1939, but he's not a guy that we instantly remember. No. And uh, he actually won 60 games in a single season. Can you imagine? 60 games? games? 60 games in 1884. Woo-wee. Yeah, man. Man. Yeah. Did he pitch in doubleheaders? I mean, he had to have. You know? It was just a guy God. that they threw out there, and I guess they probably didn't believe in relievers back then, so it was like, yeah, good luck no, for this game, it. bro. No, they, uh, during the, the reliever really didn't start coming into play until the 70s, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, that, that, that's that's when really you know, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it uh, when he got to when McLean got to Washington. He clashed with Ted Williams because Ted Williams had a what was foreign at the time a five man rotation. Oh my God, a five man rotation! What's going? On? Yeah, but now five man rotation is the norm. But at the time, he wanted to you know give longevity to his pitchers, so he pitched more pitchers in the starting rotation, and Danny McLean clashed with him about that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was uh, one thing that you we've noticed in Denny McLean's past was he clashed with a lot of people. He um, did. And he was a rule breaker. I mean, early yeah, on. He, so, you know, he, he um, lived by his own rules. He did, man. He did. I mean, uh, early on when he was assigned to um, the Salem Rebels, 
that mm-hmm. was his first team that he was assigned to uh, with the, at that time they called it the D League Class D the Appalachian League so he was yep. he was with the Harlan um or I'm sorry he was with the Harlem Smokies he wasn't with the the Salem Rebels he was with the Harlem Smokies which mm-hmm. was out of Kentucky I believe and uh, yeah. he would constantly miss curfew he <laughs> would drive out of the state I guess he never liked riding with the team at all <laughs> which later on I'm he ended up taking that to the majors he ended up not yeah. liking to fly with the team so he would like charter he learned how he learned and he learned how to fly too man right so so, so like the infamous like, thing was 1969 in that all-star game he was scheduled to start yeah and he scheduled a dentist appointment for the wednesday after the all-star game the all-star game was supposed to be on tuesday but it got rained out and the all-star game got pushed to wednesday mm-hmm. instead of canceling his dentist appointment he kept his dentist appointment and then rented a plane and flew to Washington, D.C. for the All-Star game. Obviously missed the start, came in in the fourth inning, but by that point, it was 9-2 to two for the NL. So, yeah, he did his own He did his own shit. Living by his own rules. Yeah. Obviously, he got reprimanded for that. <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. And that, that was just kind of carried him through ever. So, um, starting with Denny McClain real quick. I mean, he was born yeah. in Mar- Markham, Illinois. Um, yeah. Denny and his, uh, I guess, from what I found out, which I never knew, Denny and his brother, I think he had a brother named Tom, I guess his dad was kind of had these angry outbursts and he was kind of an army guy. Their dad mm-hmm. was. And essentially his dad, I, they they didn't mention about hitting and stuff, but it was from what the research, what I did, um, it, they very much talked about it without actually saying it. They were pretty much hinting that he kind of abused. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his dad died at like 36 from a heart attack, which was kind of crazy. Wow. And I always thought, Denny McLean in the baseball aspect of because he was kind of like a, he was a shortstop in high school. Like yep. a lot of these people that you see in the majors, I mean, they sometimes play different positions throughout. Yep. So, um, so he was never just a pitcher. I mean, he was a shortstop. He was just like an all around good athlete. And I guess I always thought though in his, and I thought he was always drafted by the Tigers, but that's not true. He was, nope. White I guess Sox. his first team was with the White Sox. Yeah. Just after graduation too. So can you imagine yep. after graduation, he graduated in 62 and he gets a signing bonus for like 10, 10 grand. And at right. that time, that's a lot of money. That's like 50 K today, maybe mm-hmm. more. And just to sign with the white Sox, who essentially put them in their class D on their class D team. Yep. And I was like, man, like, can you imagine that right out of high school? Just going to Here's some money ball right away. Dude, it, it's that that's great. It's right there with, you know, Al Kaline, you know, Al Kaline. The big thing about him was he never played a lick of minor league baseball in his whole life. He got signed by the Tigers right out of high school, and he was on the Major League Ball Club that summer. And I think he was 18 years old, and you get called up by the Tigers right off the bat. And you and I talked about that when he passed, and we we were talking about him. And I think that was one of the things you mentioned at the time. He was one of the youngest players to ever play play. that young. I mean, there was someone before him who was like 15 or 16, but he... Eight, at 18 years 18 old, years was playing old. in the major league baseball. That's incredible. That you don't so see how'd that. you how'd you spend your first summer out of high school? Well, I played for the Tigers. Played for the Tigers. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, shit. But yeah, amazing. Yeah. Denny McLean signed by the White Sox right out of high school and was assigned, yep. like you said, to the Harlem uh, Harlem Smokies. And yep. uh, his his debut was a pretty good debut. Hell yeah. It's a no hitter. <laughs> Let's fucking go. 16 Strike K's. 16 K's against the yeah. Salem Rebels on his first start. And needless to say, he lasted a whole two games with the Harlan Smokies before he got promoted. Yep. They <laughs> were the like Midwest League, the Clinton Seasox at that. Oh, know. he went to the Seasox after that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at that point, they probably knew they're like, this guy's a stud. 
Yeah. Because I think oh. in his second game, too, he gave up a lot of runs, but he still had like 16 Ks mm-hmm. or again. Like he was mm-hmm. just dominating in that league. Yep. So uh, finished out Midwest League. He posted a four and seven, uh, four, four wins, seven losses after his uh, first season there. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, so that was his time with the the White Sox. And uh, uh, at that time, players of only one year minor league service were subject to a draft if they were not called up to the major leagues. So the White Sox left McLean in the minor leagues, and the Tigers were like, well, don't mind if I do. Do, 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 do. Claimed yeah. them off the waivers in 1963. Do, do you know the two pitchers? So there was three or there was three players that were up for... It was basically like the Rule 5 draft we have today. Yeah, yep. But there was three players at the White Sox... Uh, could save or two that they could save, but there was three up for it, and that one was uh, obviously Danny McLean, who they didn't save. Right, and the other two, do you know who they were? I don't. One was Bruce Howard. He only lasted five years in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Nothing to note. Yeah. But the other guy was David. I, I don't really can't say his name, but it's Debouchier, Debouchier, okay. and he, he played Dave, in the M- Dave, Dave Debusher. Yeah, and he played the, yeah. the NBA player. Yes, yes. He played in wow, the NBA yeah. and he made the basketball hall of fame. Yeah. Yeah. Dave DeBuscher. I, I had no idea he uh, did baseball, but yeah, he yeah. played for uh Dave DeBuscher was a piston for a while. Yes. And then yeah. obviously made, made it with the Knicks won the, the titles. He, you know, he's best known for being a Nick, but he was, uh, he was a piston, uh, uh, early in his career there. Hell so yeah, dude. Wow. I did not realize that, uh, he was, he was into baseball as well. Yeah. And it was interesting because at that time, you say Dave DeBusher, that's how you yeah, say his D- name? D- yep, Dave DeBusher, yeah. I wonder if they thought, like, did they talk to the guy? Because clearly, <laughs> as tall as he was, as good as he was at basketball, yeah. did they think he was going to be a two-sport B- athlete B- or something? <laughs> like, Come on now. I, I don't know why they saved him. Mm-hmm. And because, yeah, so that was definitely... The White Sox lost with the Tigers gain, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that Tigers was... fleece the White Sox again because we were... Uh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Uh, Man, I love and, it. I love and, it. And when I did my research, that was kind of the thing that kind of shocked me, Steve, was I didn't know that Denny didn't start out with the Tigers, which yeah. that was pretty shocking to me. Yep. So. yep. And it's similar to you don't think of Norm Cash. Norm Cash was in uh, Cleveland. Uh, right. Cleveland, Cleveland Indian to uh, Cleveland or Chicago, one of the two. But mm-hmm. he wasn't a, a Tiger. I mean, you think of him as a Tiger. Of but, course. Uh, you know, yeah, Norm Cash was the same way. Oh, same yeah. thing with uh, Brad Cecil Fielder. Um, yep. There's yep. a few of them where you're just like, you always think of them. I guess there's always players in the league. Yeah. You think Norm of Ka- yeah. that player, you know. They're- yeah, Norm, Norm Cash was a White Sox. And then again, man, Tigers fleece the White Sox again. They got Norm Cash and then they, uh, Norm Cash 1960, and they take Denny McClain off of uh, waivers there in 63. Which were crucial pieces to their 68 World yeah. Series mm-hmm. team. That's, so, you know, I love that. Yeah, so McClain... He got through the minors pretty quickly with the Tigers after yep. he, uh, after after he joined the Tigers. I think he was up there and was starting at it. 19 years old. I think he made his uh, major league debut there with uh, with the Tigers mm-hmm. and uh, had had a pretty good debut. Actually, you know you know who he, his debut was against. I'm sure you know, right? His debut. Yeah, in major league debut with the Tigers. I don't actually know the White Sox. Of course, it was. Of so course, he played the White Sox, the Sox and was like. Uh, he held the White Sox to one and run on seven hits. In his, no uh, shit. Debut. And uh, he picked off two base runners, and he hit a home run. So think about this. First game, first start of your career, you hit a home run. I kid you not. It was the only home run he hit in his whole career. Really? Nothing after that. Yep. That's yep. why I love baseball, man. It just yeah. so... McClain so is one of only six teenage pitchers to hit a major league home run since 1920. A list that includes Don, Don Drysdale and Jim Palmer. Wow. That's incredible. That's actually yeah. incredible. Yep. 
I mean, it's a hell of a debut, too, to have. Yeah, hit, hit a home run, then you get nothing after. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, so he did, well, his debut was what, 63? 63. And, yeah. his, and then, his true rookie season, which is his uh, card, 65. 65, right. And yeah. that's where he played the whole year. And I think his yeah. first season, his first full season, he was what, 16 and 6? 16 and 6, solid 2.61 ERA. Uh, now 192 Ks. 190, yeah, 192 Ks, 13 complete games that year. Let's too. go. 13 complete games. Okay. Fast yeah, forward. Someone in their today. whole career. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You might get one complete game a season with some yeah. with some pitchers. Yeah. He pitched uh, his rookie season, 21 years, 220 innings, uh, wow. 2.61 ERA, 13 complete games, incredible. Four, four shut four shutouts. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely incredible. So, but yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. His stretch because his stretch from what sixty five to yep. sixty nine was Double. really fascinating. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's like a four uh, five year stretch, four year stretch where it's just fantastic I mean, baseball. Absolutely fantastic baseball. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And um, yeah. So sixty five, like I said, rookie. You know, rookie, first official. You know, rookie rookie year for he played the full season. Had a great one. Then followed it up in sixty six. Mm-hmm. Um, he was thirteen and four by All Star time and earned mm-hmm. the role of the American League starter, uh, starting pitcher for the sixty six All Star game, um, where he threw only twenty eight pitchers to retire all nine batters that he faced. Mention that twenty eight pitches. That's like almost three pitches per batter, mm-hmm. just mowing them down. Uh, finished the season twenty and four, three point nine two ERA, respectable. So, not 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 a bad sixty six season. Then you get into sixty seven. Sixty seven is always uh, a year. Uh, it, it's a fascinating year because you had, I think, uh, it was a four way run for the pennant there in sixty seven. You had the Red Sox and the Tigers, hmm. and um, I think Baltimore was up there. And yep. It was just a you know four four team race with Boston. Boston eventually uh, eventually got. But um, near the end of that 67 season, uh, the Tigers were playing a, a doubleheader against um, California. Mm-hmm. And McLean was scheduled to pitch one of those games. Tigers needed a victory to force a one-game playoff with the Red Sox. McLean had uh, injured two toes on his left foot. He said he stubbed, the, uh, st- stubbed them after his foot had fallen asleep. So he pitched ineffective. Tigers lose the game, lose out in the American League pennant. Wow. Um, yeah, Boston. Boston got that, and obviously the Tigers then had a chip on their shoulder going into '68. But um, the the thing you find out later, speculation mm-hmm. uh, about that '67 where he stubbed his toes, and again, this goes back to his kind of reckless lifestyle. It's been uh, rumored that he didn't actually stub his toes; they were they were injured by a mob person for failing to pay a bet. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, he. Kind of lost the Tigers a chance at the pennant there in '67 yeah. with his gambling. Yeah, which didn't come out till later, right? Till I mean, later, it was about se- I think 1970 or something. Yeah, illustrated like, piece. It was like, oh, and that's where the mob ties were coming in, mm-hmm. and which we'll talk about more. But later, uh, yeah. I mean, arguably, you know, arguably, you want to talk about his stretch from '68 and '69. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. amazing. What what do you go? Fifty-five and fifteen. Amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, come on. Unbelievable. Dude. 55 and 15. And in 68, he pitched what? 28 complete games out of his 41 starts. Right. Followed up with 23 complete games in, in 69. He pitched nine shutouts in 69. But we'll talk about 68, which was the 
the year of the pitcher. So yep. you had Bob Gibson in the National oh League mowing it down. Then you had Danny McLean in the American League. You know, Danny McLean had more wins. He went 31-6 and six that season. And what people love, they talk about Danny McLean, is he worked fast. He wasn't one of those where, you know, he gets the ball back, goes through his whole routine or stuff. He gets the yeah. ball back. He wants to just keep going. So they'd get games done in under two hours or so, a little yeah. over two hours to do a game. So well, the Bob defense Gibson was kind of the same way. Playing behind it. Yeah. He just liked to work fast, get the job done, get the hell off the field. Yep. Yep. And so, uh, you know, that, that, that 668 season, obviously the Tigers won the World Series that year. Um, Danny McLean won his 30th game. I love listening to, there's a, a Ernie Harwell that came out with a, a, an audio scrapbook. And he talks about that that game. It was uh, September the 14th of 1968 at Tiger Stadium. And uh, in Tiger fashion, Tigers were that, that year a team that came from behind a lot. They always rallied in the late innings and just pulled off you know, one you know, walk off after another. And it happened again in that year, uh, in that game. And uh, September the 14th, 1968 against Oakland, Tigers won the game 5-4. to four. Willie Horton drove in the, uh, the winning run there. It's just... Uh, listening to that call, Ernie Harwell called that uh, that 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 game. It's just crazy. You can hear yeah. like the fans fans cheering, the, and you can just you know you can just hear everything. It's crazy. It's just a, a fun little clip to listen to. So I always, you know, that that '68, especially um, in the postseason. I mean, it was supposed to be Gibson McLean versus Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson, but it, thing. but Gibson or but uh, McLean really wasn't. Really wasn't was, a factor. He was and, dead tired by that point. Yeah. Well, I, I, arguably so. I mean, think about this. I think after the 68 and 69 seasons, he was completely wore out. I mean, he yep. led the league in both innings pitched and batters mm-hmm. faced. Yep. I mean, yep. think about this. And batters faced in 68 was 1,288. And then the year after that in 69 was 1,304. Yeah. And he was pitching over 320 innings each Ooh, season, season. Yeah. of those two seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. you got to be. I mean, I, that's probably where the the he probably lost the juice after that. Yep. I mean, you had to. So. They just they overused him, which sucks because they really actually had a good. They had a good. Tigers um, had a good staff that year. Yeah, they really a, good. They staff. had Earl Wilson on that team. They had Mickey Lolich. Obviously, they had Denny McLean there. Yep. Um, you know, they had a good good three people at the top there, so they could have spread out the innings a little more. And they had a good bullpen too. Yeah. They had um, you know, John Hiller was in the bullpen there, John and Hiller. you know, um. You know, they they had they had a good a good pen, a good people that they you know could have used, but you didn't think about it at that time. You kept riding the hot hand. McLean's doing great. We're just gonna keep pitching them and pitching them. They weren't thinking about pitch counts or innings or anything like that. You know, you had Hiller in your bullpen. You had Pat Dobson, Daryl Patterson Pat was Dobson. in there. Yeah, Les you know, Kane, Les you know, John John Warden, uh, you know, Warden was around there too. So you had you know good good arms in there. John Hiller had an ERA that season of you know two point three nine. Yeah. So, um, you, know, you, had, you had other other arms that you could use, but well, think about know, that's too. Their bullpen and they all were pitching under four ERA. I mean, Dobson yeah. and Hiller alone were uh, under three. Yeah, that yeah. year in '68. Yeah. yeah, but you you, know, you you look at the difference there. McLean pitched 336 innings that season. Mm-hmm. Second was Earl Wilson. He pitched 224. So no wonder he was fucking tired by the time the World Series. He pitched. A third, a third more than the next person, you know, pretty much there. That's crazy. Yeah, no wonder why fucking Mickey Lillich kit was amazing in the World Series. He yeah, he's all, like, hold my energy. beer. You know, the energy yeah, left. Exactly. Yeah, you know, Mickey Lillich only, quote unquote, pitched 220 innings that season. <laughs> Which is pretty fucking amazing. But Yeah, 
Yeah. It's, uh, and surprisingly, an interesting stat uh, I came when I'm researching Denny McLean, an interesting stat I always thought was for because he won the MVP in yep. in 68 and back to back Cy Young's in 68 69 respectively i mean come right. on who else are you going to give it to but yep. i i one thing i always thought was interesting he gave up the most home runs of any pitcher right in 68 yeah. he gave up 31 yeah. home runs and that was coming off back to back years of leading the league in the most home runs given 42 yeah. and 66 he definitely and gave up the long ball a lot yeah yeah <laughs> which is interesting it makes you wonder he, he he the home runs he was probably giving up were you could just see a see. Okay, so when I transition it Solo to shots, probably right. right when I transition it to today's game, and when people give up a lot of home runs, I'm always looking at well, how gassed are they? And usually oh. those guys, usually not all the time, but usually will lead their team in innings pitched. So I'm oh. sure there's certain batters where they just they're not working the plate, they're not always on command just because they're dog fucking tired. Ooh. And I imagine if we were to really go in depth in some of these, I bet a lot of those were solo shots. And I bet that a lot of them were in late innings. Yep. How much oh, you want to yeah. bet most of those yeah. home runs were in late yep. innings. Yep. Just dog shit tired by that yep. point. You know, it was probably his best home run of uh, that 68 season that he gave up was the one to Mickey Mantle. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, uh, that was, was that the uh, one where he hit like a 500 footer. No, that was early, that that was back. Uh, that was the early '60s, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, so McLean had grown up idolizing Mickey Mantle, who had uh, entered the game. This was September of the uh, the 19th. So uh, uh, Mantle entered the game tied with Jimmy Fox for third place in Major League's all-time home runs list mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, Mantle. This was about nine days away from his last appearance. He came to bat in the eighth inning. Tigers were comfortably up six to one. Uh, McLean intentionally threw a soft pitch directly over home plate. Uh, Mantle takes it out of the yard, overtakes Jimmy Fox for third all time on the uh, the home run list. Uh, right, right there. So there were accounts that uh, Mantle, you know, Mantle knew it was coming. Um, the other accounts said that McLean called uh, Jim Price was starting that day over Bill Freehan, called him the mound, and and had Jim Price tell Mantle he'd be throwing only fastballs. Mantle hit his 535th career home run, uh, uh, putting him in sole possession in third place. And then McLean was uh, stood there on the pitcher's mound, applauding as he ran to the bases. Mantle tipped his cap uh, as he uh, passed McLean. So really, pretty cool. Huh? <laughs> that is very fucking cool. That is and then, very. Cool. Then the funny thing: next batter was Joe Pepitone. He waved his bat over the plate as if asking for an easy pitch of his own. McLean responded by throwing the pitch over his head. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Of course, yeah. after the game, McLean smiling denied that uh, that uh, he he surfed it up, but then later accounts said that you know, I think there were interviews with Mickey Mantle. M- M- Mickey told the story of he, he knew it was coming. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that in that late in that late sixties stretch, there really wasn't any better pitcher. I know a lot of people go Bob Gibson and, and trust me, Bob Gibson. Yeah, man. Uh, honestly, unbelievable, and will always go down in history, even as one of my favorites. But when you think of Denny McLean, he just was so perfect in that three, four, five—I'd say five years in the back mm-hmm. half of the '60s. I mean, it's very—I look at his career, and it's very Tim Lincecumus, you know, where oh, yeah. yep. just just commanded his team and was leading them, and then it just dropped off. Yep. You know? Yep. 
But he did, you know, like we said, in the 68 World Series, Mickey Lolich was the hero of that World Series. McLean, not so much, but he did pitch a crucial mm-hmm. game six on two days rest and aided the Tigers to that game six victory to keep the series alive. So if he you know, he did get one win there in the World Series. Hey, so. he did his job that game. Yep. You know? yep. yep. And on two days rest, too, he came out and did that. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. Tigers won it, came back from three down, three games to one down the World Series and uh, took that and... Uh, like we said, followed up his 69, uh, 68 campaign with uh, 69. He was selected uh, Associated Press Male Athlete of the Year. We talked about the All-Star Game of 69 that he charted his own <laughs> flight. Blue. Yeah. He thought know, he was like, hot shit by then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He thought he was hot. You know, he thought he, he thought, thought he was hot shit. Uh, he uh, created some dissension uh, in the clubhouse when he clashed with Mayo Smith. Over Mayo Smith firing a Johnny Sane. Johnny Sane came in as the pitching coach for the Tigers in uh, 67. And McLean right. really liked that guy. Um, Mayo Smith got, you know, fired him. And so then he clashed again. Playing clashes with, with, with the management here over that. But yeah, still won 24 games, 69. Another Cy Young. Um, actually tied with uh, Baltimore's Mike Kuehler. Making it the first time that Cy Young was actually shared. As a, really? As an award. Mm. So yeah. And uh, 69 with uh, obviously the last major award of his career because by 1970, February 70, Sports Illustrated, the article came out about his involvement in bookmaking activities. So, yeah, I wonder if it was, yeah, kind of. Well, he was injured, of course. Yep. Yep. Um, in the 19 in 1970, and this was kind of the beginning of his drop off. Suspended a lot too. Yep. Yeah, so suspended. Yeah, suspended for the first three months of the 70 season. Yep. Uh, returned uh, mid season, but struggled to pitch well. And then in September, the Tigers suspended him uh, for seven days after he doused uh, some sports writers uh, with buckets of water. And then just seven days after that suspension was about to end, uh, just as that suspension was about to end, he was suspended for the remainder of the season by uh, 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 MLB Commissioner Bowie Kuhn for uh, carrying a gun on the team flight. Which is insane. I mean, we've seen... I mean, we've had players like a Gilbert Arenas in the NBA bring a gun to the locker room like you serious. Uh, yeah. it's just, you know, that, that shit's insane. And the fact that, you know, he pitched in 70, which was the first bad season, obviously after his Green suspension five. and everything he went through. Mm-hmm. And then they just dropped his ass after that. Right. Yeah, so it was 71. Good. So <laughs> what happened with him from 1970 and then to 71? Where, where do you go after that? So, yeah. Um, also during that 70 season, uh, he, it was, he was bankrupt essentially. After yeah. being the first one hundred thousand uh, dollar player in Tiger history, he was fighting bankruptcy, most likely because he was throwing a bunch of money at at both you know gambling and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, at, on October 9, nineteen seventy, Tigers made a deal with the Washington Senators to send Denny McLean, Elliot Maddox, Norm McRae, and Don Wirt to the Senators for Joe Coleman, Eddie Brinkman, Jim Hannon, and Aurelio Rodriguez. Uh, Bowie Kuhn had to actually clear the trade because McLean was still under suspension, and suspended players can't be. Traded without the commissioner's permission, Kuhn would rave, later write uh, in his autobiography that he was shocked at what he called a foolish gamble by the Washington Senators and predicted that the trade would turn out to be a tiger heist, which he was yeah. right because Joe Coleman, Eddie Brinkman, and Aurelio Rodriguez were key factors in the Tigers' 72 AL championship and were big players on the Tigers in the 70s. Uh, yeah, and Aurelio Rodriguez, he remained with the club he, for a while, yep. so... All the way through till Tramon Whitaker and them were on the uh, on the team. He was their staple third baseman there. So, uh, senior Tiger, Tigers won that trade. I'd uh, I'd say. I yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, 
And then it was just kind of a downward spiral in his late 20s. Yep. Yeah, he clashed with uh, with Ted Williams, like we talked about earlier, uh, who had little patience for McLean's high living. Feeling was mutual early in that 71 season. Uh, McLean became a charter member of the Underminers Club, a group of five players dedicated to getting uh, Ted Williams fired. They spent much of the season feuding. Uh, with Ted Williams over his, like we talked about, his then unusual five-man rotation for starters. Oh, oh my God, five men. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a da- downfall after that. Uh, I believe he ended the season at 10-22, and 22, which yeah. thus earned him the dubious distinction of going from leading his league in wins <laughs> uh, in 20, with 24 wins in 1969 to two years later leading his league in losses with yeah, 22. You you don't see that, you know, that's, that quickly. <laughs> my have the mighty fallen. Um, 22. It uh, remains uh, the most uh, in a major league season since Jack Fisher, the Mets lost in 19, uh, lost 24 in 1965. So right. um, man, yeah. After yeah. 71, he was then traded to Oakland. Yep. Uh, uh, and it was, yeah. Putzed around. Uh, he was gone after what five starts. He was then sent uh, to the minor leagues in May 15. Uh, Associated Press then said, you know, according to Wikipedia here, the reason for the motion was his pitches lacked steam and there could be a potential medical problem, which we talked about. He pretty much gave up on yeah. the fastball. Would you say 1970? 1970. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Oakland then traded him uh, to the Atlanta Braves for Orlando Cepeda. Uh, he went three and five with the Braves. Uh, an aging 70- Cepeda, right? Rosalind? Yeah, an aging Cepeda. Yep, yep. Yeah. And then uh, finished the '72 season with a four and seven record. And uh, yeah, game over. Retired at the age of twenty-eight. Twenty-eight, which is crazy. <laughs> I mean, he he, within yeah. a handful of years, he saw the highest of highs and the lowest mm-hmm. of lows in the game of baseball. And yep. you know, uh, kind of going back to you said Mickey Mantle was an idol of his. Well, yeah. that was on the field, off the field. He, I guess he was a big fan of Frank Sinatra, not just for the legendary singing voice, but because I guess Sinatra executed wealth and power. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. And he was quoted as saying, Sinatra doesn't give a damn about anything. Neither do I. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> Kenny McLean. <laughs> you, know, you know, and it's funny. You know, he was, he was great as a pitcher, but, um, you know, you talked, to, you talked earlier in his early upbringing about how his dad... You know, was had his angry outbursts and potentially yeah. abuse. The one thing his dad did do for him was he taught him how to play the organ, and so he became quite the musician off the field. He spent his off season playing clubs and actually appeared a couple of times on the Ed Sullivan Show. That's right. Yeah, uh, play, playing playing music. So um, yeah, he cut a pair of LPs. He did. He did. Yep. Yep. I had one of those LPs. I think I gave it to my brothers again. Which we'll play for you right now. Just kidding. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it. Yeah, life after baseball uh, wasn't the best for him as he uh, uh, yeah. uh, went to prison, I believe, uh, a couple of times, right? Went to I prison know, a couple of times. At least once, just bad, bad business uh, b- business deals. So uh, Yeah, bad business deals. He, I mean, not only being a degenerate gambler, I mean, yeah. we're talking about a guy, he was also in prison for drug trafficking, embezzling, yeah. racketeering. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about a guy with so much potential yep. that just dropped off but you know the signs were there i mean if you really looked at it uh looking back at his time i mean this was a guy that we could really deep dive on it's harder when we're saying what happened to josh gibson right aside from the health issues like what happened with josh gibson but with denny mclean it's all out there right i mean he he would literally 
if people wanted to pay for interviews, he would tell them everything. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're, so we got to know a lot about Denny McLean just through everything that was out there. And I think he lacked authority. He didn't like authority, especially for what his dad did. And at, when his dad died at 36, him and his brother became like the men of the house. They became, right. he became the man of the house and he didn't like being told what to do. And as we've seen, and as we talked about, with, like you said, chartering his own plane and just showing up late, missing curfews. I mean, we just seen a progressive uh, decline in his ability to follow rules and be a leader. He just never mm-hmm. was a leader. He never was that guy. Yep. So, uh, and that just kind of, and it was just, it's kind of like a guy, like a someone who's a murderer, right? I mean, right. you see right. the early signs early on when you look back at their history, like, oh, it was leading up to this. For him, you've seen that prison wasn't too far behind. I mean, it, it happened during baseball and after baseball, it just got progressively worse. So, um, the, the you know, drugs, like I said, the embezzlement, I mean, he's stealing money, and then though obviously he's always had mob ties, so the racketeering yeah. was just always yep. fucking haunted him, man. And it's just sad. You know, it's really yep. sad to see. I mean, at one point, which you could actually find this little ditty on Wikipedia, he was fine signing autographs at a Metro Detroit 7-Eleven store. You know, yeah, wow. where he was uh, employed on a work release. So at this time, and this was in like the mid mid eighties and early nineties. Okay. So, um, you know, he's had he's had a child that died in a car accident. Yep. Um, I mean, he's had he's been through a lot. I mean, he's been through a lot, but he didn't really help himself either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, everything from booze to drugs. I mean, this guy kind of, <laughs> this guy was doing it yeah. all. And I think the last time I actually heard about him getting in trouble, trouble was like over 10 years ago when back when he got arrested for trying to cross the border. Right. 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 In yep. Canada. Yep. Which I thought. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, I guess he had a warrant, an outstanding warrant. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, and this was back in Louisiana. So, and then it really came out like. I mean, I think it was for drugs, but it didn't. They right. didn't really like go into it, into it. But basically, he was arrested at the Canadian border. Um, yep. Yeah, or he, I mean, he, he, to... he wasn't expecting to go that way. I think he inadvertently taken an exit off I ninety four, which sent him right yeah. to the bridge. And then, obviously, when you're crossing to Canada, they got to check things, and they found this. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like, okay. So you know, to this day. Uh, I I mean I, I hear he has a podcast. I hear uh, he does. He's in real estate. Um, I hear you hear all these stories, but he's, he's kinda, a guy. Kinda, that, he's kind of kind of kind of cleaned up. What I like and yeah. how I've met him a few times is, um, you know, you talk about how he, he charges and stuff for autographs. Well, he does this signing every year, well, at least in you know in year, years past at Lee High School here in uh, Wyoming, um, the the Stubby Obermeyer. Uh, W. Overmeyer went to Lee High School, and so right. they named the the diamond and you know the baseball field and stuff, and and they hold a fundraiser, a card show fundraiser every year, and for uh, as many years as I can remember, Denny McLean would go to that show. All money raised goes to the Lee High School baseball team, yeah. and um, he would do that signing for free to help raise money. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and because Stubby was uh, in the Tigers, a uh, coach in the Tigers minor league system, so. Denny knew Stubby, so whatever you do to help out Stubby, uh, he, he did that for free. So um, that's where I got you. Do you still have that ball that I got signed for I you? I do, yeah. I'm yeah, and it's usually when he signs his autograph, he'll put like 31 and 6, 1968. 
And uh, the cool thing about that ball was when I got it signed for you, you were working at the time. You were, uh, you know, co- covering for me. Yeah. And I gave him the ball, and I was like, "Oh, this is for, this is for a friend of mine." He's like, "Oh, cool." I was like, "Yeah, my friend, my coworker, you know, buddy of mine. He's uh, he's helping cover things at the office." And he's like, "Oh, that's you know, that's really nice of you to to do this, and really nice of him to do that." And I think he threw a whole bunch of inscriptions on that ball, didn't he? He did. Like, oh, it was yeah. like a like paragraph of stuff. Yeah. And he doesn't usually do that. Um, yeah. You know, uh, without extra fees, and he did that that for free, just you know that's because cool, he, man. he felt felt nice. You know, he felt you're doing a good thing, so he wanted to help you out. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Not to say this guy was like this biggest piece of shit. I mean, you look right. at a lot of people with records, you assume they're pieces of shit. But I'm sure, obviously, there's some niceness in there, and yep. um, you know, I'm sure that it's just he's a guy that just fell down the wrong path in life. Right. And, I mean, you know, I mean, over the years, he's probably gotten better and, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, but you can't, you, you can't deny the greatness that he had in the yep. mid to late sixties. It was just, it was fantastic. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Definitely one of my you know, favorite tigers and, uh, yeah, just a, a joy to, to, to watch when he was at, at his best watching the clips. It's, uh, unbelievable stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And he also, he liked to wear his hat a certain way. He always got it high in his head and down because he didn't okay. want people, he didn't want the batters seeing his eyes. Seeing his eyes. That's, yeah. That's so thinking right there. he'd always have to look up. He'd always have to look up to see the catcher's signs. The sign. So okay. if you look at old footage and he's looking he's up, yeah. he's looking for the catcher, but then right away his head's kind of, like down but his brims his brims really low because he never wanted the batter to see his eyes which i thought was pretty cool that is cool wow Um, i I didn't know that yeah kind of like a symbolism thing too and you think about his life and stuff it's like "Hmm." yeah definitely yeah oh it's total symbolism right there yeah yeah wow yeah you know it's yeah you know for a forgotten series our number two episode this year i uh yeah good pick i mean there's one that you wanted to pick out and i thought it's i mean if there's a poster child for the Forgotten series. This yeah, would be one of the good main guys when you think about yep. it. So I mean, yep. <laughs> you think of Forgotten Stars. I mean, there's not many people that know Denny McClain today, unless you're like a big Tigers fan. I was going to say, unless you're, you're, in, you're in the state, state of Michigan, yep, or you yeah. study study the game of baseball, then you'd know a lot about him. So. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah, he's just uh, a, kind of a, a polarizing, a dubious past, you know. So, mm-hmm. yep. yep. Yeah. So with that said. Yeah. Shall we head on over to the Fantasy Factory? Let's do it. All right. Well, what have we got uh, this week? Any good well, questions? Yeah, we do. So we got one that came in from Jim, uh, Jim Grig- 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 Grigsby. Okay. And he's from Fairmount, Indiana. Now, if I think okay. Fairmount, I think that's where James Dean is buried. I think. Really? Yeah. Huh. Road it. trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah cool. James Dean is, yeah, I think he's buried in Fairmount. Um, okay. So Jim asks us. With the trade deadline coming up, there are some players who are going to be on new teams. In your opinion, do players in fantasy perform better on new teams in the second half or not? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question there, Jim. Uh honestly, I, I I've seen it go both ways, but recently I would say, yeah. Uh they, they do seem to perform better, especially if they were on a team that was lackluster, you know, at the time, kind of just treading water and then this change kind of gave them a little dose of a, a change in scenery. And if they're like thrust into a pennant race, I think I can see them, you know, performing better, which would, you know, help, help out the stats and help out the person on there on the fantasy team. I've also seen it where if they go to a place, especially if they've been on a, a team for a long time, 
um, and get dealt to a, a different place, they have they have trouble adjusting, and then you know wow. they they can do a bit of a decline. But recently, especially I think of you know Justin Verlander going to Houston, how hot he was down the stretch, helping out you know the the Astros and helping out obviously fantasy for people to have him. But for the most part, I think uh, that that dose of being in a, a place, especially if you're traded, you're most likely traded to a contender. I think that that makes them do uh, play better um, once they're they're at a new spot there in the second half. So yeah, no, I totally yeah. agree. I thought. Uh, I mean, uh, look at Trey Turner and Max Scherzer did mm-hmm. with the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. That was killer. And uh, Manny Machado did with the Dodgers in 2018. Yep. Those are good yep. trades that paid off in the long run. Yep. yep. Agreed. So, yeah. Good question. Yeah. I thanks, like Jim. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, uh, we got a new round of starter sit this week. All right. Let's cue the music. All right. Starter sit for fantasy baseball. Josh Naylor or Lars Newtbar outfield? Uh, Josh Naylor. Okay. Uh, Newtbar again or Byron Buxton? Newt Bar. CJ Cron or Spencer Torkelson, first base? Uh, Torque. Uh, Cal Raleigh or Sean Murphy, catcher? Sean Murphy. Uh, Raleigh, Cal Raleigh again or Alejandro Kirk, catcher? R- Raleigh. Uh, Alec Baum or Matt Chapman, third base? Chapman. Bobby Wood Jr. or CJ Abrams, shortstop? CJ Abrams. Masataki Yoshida, love saying the name, or <laughs> a possible trade candidate, Cody Bellinger. Uh, Cody Bellinger. Carlos Correa or Matt McClain, shortstop? McClain. Tim Anderson or Maurice Dubon, shortstop? Dubon. Uh, first time, starter sit. Christa- Christian Encarnacion Strand or Mike Ford? First no relation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, give me Mike Ford, just because I love that last name. Uh, Mike Ford again or Nate Lau, first base? Mike Ford. <laughs> uh, Chris Bryant or Alex Kirilov outfield. Chris Bryant. Uh, the hot streak. Mickey Maniac or Brian De La Cruz outfield. Maniac. Uh, Orlando Arcia or Zach Nito shortstop. Arcia. Nito again or Jordan Westbrook shortstop. Nito. Mookie Betts or Austin Hayes outfield. Mookie Betts. Bryson Stott or Max Muncie second base. Muncie. Uh, going to utility, uh, J.D. Martinez or Pete Alonzo? Martinez. Uh, Jordan Walker or first time again, Mikhail Garcia, third base. Garcia. And rounding it out, Ketel Marte and another first timer, Eduard Julian, second base. Eduard Julian. Uh, what do we have for waiver wire? Well, speaking of Julian, uh, here are three players that I'm looking at on the waiver wire for this week that would be a, a good bet to try and pick up. Uh, first is Edouard Julian for Minnesota. He's up 34% in Yahoo leagues, hit 611 uh, this past week with two dingers and two RBIs. Also drew five walks. So not much, you know, for production uh, offensively, but he's going to hit really well and get on base. So that's someone I'd look at. Second is Matt Manning there for the Tigers. He's up 19% in Yahoo leagues. Has had an ERA of 0.73 the last two weeks with eight Ks. Looks uh, pretty on point coming back from his injury. And a third is Wilmer Flores there for the Giants. He's up 18% in Yahoo leagues. Hit 421 this past week with four home runs, seven RBIs. He'd definitely be a good bat to pick up. So uh, those are three players that I'm looking at on the waiver wire. Rock on. Yeah, I just picked up Matt Manning. I saw that. I was going to uh, I was gonna be like, well, good for you with Matt Manning. I saw you did that last night. <laughs> he's due to get rocked. but Oh, yeah, uh, it's going it's to happen. But he's I pitching need... really well coming back from that uh, that injured. Uh, yeah, zero, he's so. totally in command, dude. Yep, yep which is good, good for the Tigers. So. Absolutely. Uh, shall we uh, head on over to Collection Corner? Let's do it. 
All right. Yeah. Up for me this week, I'm going with the guy we just talked about, Denny McLean. Nice. All right. Yeah, yeah. Up $1.74. That's a 12.66% increase. Market price has actually stayed between 15 and six, 15 and $17 quite some time. So he's at $15.48. I always thought that was interesting because yeah. I think we talked about El Tuve and some of those guys who are really down. Mm-hmm. So, and they hang around 10 and 8, which is just super shocking to me. But uh, Denny McLean, who's not a Hall of Famer, is up $15.48. Um, that is a, let's see, he, his top cards are just the classics, man. The 68 tops, number okay. 40, his 71 tops, 750, which I believe at that time he was with Washington. Mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite of his, his 65 tops rookie card. I love those cards. Those 235 tops are great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, down. Surprisingly, is Raphael Devers. Um, he's just having a hard, uh, rough go at it. Down $5.99 and dropping. That's a 38.47% <laughs> decrease. Market price right now sits around $9.58. So I think at one point he was $15 to start the year. Now he's yeah. down and dropping. Man. So, yeah. His um, 2018 Tops Chrome rookie card number 25 is 23 Top Series 2 All Star Black Relic is dope as fuck. Mm. And his 2022 Tops Triple Threads number 75 are all down. So we'll get them. What do you got? Uh, up for me this week is uh, Ozzy Smith. He's up $22.99 or an 82.34% increase to a market value of $50.91. Up cards included his 1981 Tops number 254 and his 1979 Tops rookie number 116. It's a dope card. Uh, down for me this week is another Ozzy, and that's yeah. Ozzy Albies. He's down $3.57 or a 42.30% decrease to a market value of $4.87. Uh, down cards includes 2023 Tops Heritage number 25 and his 2018 Tops update with Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies together. Uh, Albies rookie, obviously, number US 43. So those are mine for this week. Yeah, Albies is dropping too. He's another one, mm-hmm. man. I know a lot yeah. of second basemen are dropping, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is it's a interesting trend right there. But shall we get the candles out and celebrate a birthday? Yeah, I like this one. All right, yeah. It's a happy heavenly birthday to Chicago Cubs great and Hall of Famer Joe Tinker. Good for you, Tinker. Yeah, good for you, Tinker. Born on July 27th of 1880. He actually died on his birthday as well. Um, MLB statistics on him. He had a career batting average 262, 31 home runs, 782 RBIs. As a player, he was part of the Cubs from 1902 to 1912. And then he joined the Reds for a year and then was... On uh, the Chicago Chai Fed slash Wales, 14-15, then back with the Cubs in 1916. As a manager, uh, he was with the Reds in 1913, and then he was a player player uh, coach uh, in 1916 there with the Cubs. Uh, he was a two-time World Series champion, 1907 and 1908, a Federal League uh, champion, 1915, and a member of the Chicago Cubs Hall of Fame. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1946 by the Veterans Committee. A little trivia on him. Uh, despite being just an average hitter, adding 262 for his career in an era of high batting averages, Tinker had a good amount of success against fellow Hall of Famer Christy Mathewson, batting 350 against the Hall of Fame pitcher over his career. Yeah, I think Mathewson even said that Tinker was a hard one to pitch to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he said that in one of his books there. Yeah. Now, looking at this, it looks like he was a player manager on yeah. the Reds in 13 and in, yeah. Chicago in 16. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's going to be hard to do being a player manager, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be hard, too. Like, <laughs> got to be hard, too. Like, what's he doing in the Hall of Fame with numbers like that? 
I thought about that when I, when I saw those that. are horrible was, numbers like, to be in the Hall of Fame. I was like, it's like how the fuck is he in the Hall of Fame? But all right, you must have fucking <laughs> I mean, shook the right hands or something. No, I was going to say he's got got a, something behind the scenes that got him in there. But uh, I mean, because yeah. the classic tale, the Tinkers, Tavers, Chance, we yeah, get in, it, in the poem, right? yeah, yep, yeah, yep. And, and like I, I think I mentioned it on a past episode where uh, one of the documentaries I'm covering, one of the subjects in the documentary, he. Mm. Uh, the black swamp fine finds millions of dollars of worth of baseball cards and in his uh, grandparents' attic. Uh, yeah. Basically, he so the cards he bought back to keep for himself after selling millions worth of baseball cards, he kept Tinkers and Evers, or no, he kept Evers and Tinkers, okay. Evers and Tinker, but he needs Chance still. Chance to complete the uh, okay. Yeah, he complete, so, so, complete the combo there. Okay. You complete the Poe combo. Yeah. And I know they were super popular back in the day because of the poem. Maybe right. that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, if we're and yeah, I know get in the Hall of Fame mentions. because of a poem. All right. Yeah. That's fucking sweet. That's what I said. This is like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? So uh good job against Christian yeah. Matthewson. Good job making the Chicago Cubs Hall of Fame, but yep. But yeah, bait uh, overall baseball fame. Yeah, it's a big head scratcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. happy birthday, Joe Tinker. <laughs> Huge thumbs down for Joe Tinker. Yep, exactly. Uh well, that's a fucking show. Man, all right. That was a good show, man. That was a good show, man. Lots yeah. to talk about, obviously, yep. with their series number two. Uh couple options uh, and then in a few weeks I'll throw your way for yep. the Forgotten series for number three, which there's about there's one Negro Leaguer I want to talk about. Okay. That we might have to wait till next year, or there's another guy that we I'm surprised we haven't talked about yet, but one I want to bring up Looking too. Looking forward but. to it. All right. Yeah. All right. But uh guys, in the meantime, thanks so much for listening. We very much appreciate it. Hey, yeah. if you're listening to the show on Wednesday and there's trades that happen by then and we didn't say anything, fuck you, man. We're sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> we'll deal with it in about a week. Yeah. We week, week and a half. Hey, we've right. been on the trade rumors long before they even talked about it. So. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> deal with it, damn it. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, we will catch you guys all next week. Deuces. Deuces.